What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm Scott Least, one of your two co-hosts, along with my good friend and partner, Richard Harris. What's up, Richard? How are you, my friend? Been a while. Yeah, well, we kind of go like a week or two without talking and then just sprint through like a million episodes in a row. That seems to be our style this year. If it, wouldn't, if it weren't for the podcast, we probably would only talk like once a month. That's probably true, although I would take most of the blame for that. That's okay. I'll give you the blame. I did randomly call you yesterday, though. Yes, you did. And I appreciate it. it yeah. See what a loving friend I am. I know. I know. When it suits you. <laughs> when it suits anyone, right? Yeah. Uh, we are going to be joined today by a practitioner in the field, in the front lines, selling software right now, mid-market account executive over at Greenhouse Software. Our friend and multiple time surf and sales alum, who's got some uh, interesting perspective on career growth, breaking into sales and how some exposure to events and communities and so forth really helped shape her. Her Name's Kaylee Chapelau and we will introduce her in just a second. But prior to that, Richard's going to read us a little something from our good friends and sponsors, HubSpot. Absolutely want to thank our friends over at HubSpot for the HubSpot Podcast Network and including us there. And want to let you know, if you didn't know this, you know, not a lot of people doing this, but, you know, they've integrated some AI into, into HubSpot. I don't know if a lot of companies are knowing that, that they should do that yet. Um, but ironically, I think they do. Uh, the cool thing I do like about what they're doing over there, though, is that it is doing all the research. It's pulling reports and helping to summarize that information help you create some content. So even though we're winding down summer, if you're going away for a little bit, it can help you craft some content because you kind of have that vacation brain going on. So it can get you started on some content that, that you might want to continue to use and work on. And it does save a decent amount of time. You know, if, if you could save, you know, a couple hours a, a week, two or three hours a week, what could you do with that extra time to drive more revenue? That's, that's a big piece of what HubSpot CRM does. So please go check out hubspot.com. We appreciate it and appreciate them. Scott, back to you in the studio. I can't wait till you are the face of HubSpot doing commercials like during the Super Bowl. I can't wait till I'm paid for it too, man. <laughs> wait, ladies and gentlemen, Kaylee Chapelau, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you Hi. doing? Good to see you again. I'm, I know. Good to see you. I was saying, I feel like I'm Hanging out with like my uncle and my older brother. Yeah. And we'll let the audience decide which one is which. We've already talked about it <laughs> internally, but feel free to message one of the three of us and uh, give it your best shot what the guess is. Tell everybody a little bit about uh, Greenhouse in case they don't know and, and what your role as a mid-market AE means. Sure. Yeah. So Greenhouse is a hiring system. So every company has to hire. We're the system they use to track all their applicants, post their jobs out to job boards. And then Greenhouse has a really big emphasis on DE&I and making sure that people are um, removing bias in the process and making sure that they're hiring people who are the best fit for the job, um, which aligns a lot from like a values perspective of my own thoughts and beliefs. So um, it's a really cool company. As an AE, I'm doing all the product demos and negotiations and you know maintaining relationships. So. What I find interesting about your career so far is you've been at three places, at least that are listed on, uh, on LinkedIn, every single place you've been at for like two plus years, you're not quite at two years, but you're approaching two years. That's pretty rare 
actually. And um, all of these, well, two of the three at least, kind of cross over with like really kind of screwed up times, like <laughs> COVID, <laughs> tech recession, all this kind of stuff. And yet you're, you've still managed to do really well at each of these roles at a time when a lot of people are jumping all over the place with very short stints. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about what you can attribute that to. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things. I started off my career in like as an insurance broker and knew right away that I wanted to be in sales. And I was actually told, no, they were like, Hey, you're a young female. We can't put you in the room with male executives. You can't be in this. And I was like, Hmm, that like just didn't sit right. And I was like, I'm not going to stand for that. So, um, I decided like, no, I am going to get into tech sales. And so, um, I joined a small startup company really as a product expert, right? I was their audience and who they were selling to. I had no actual sales experience. Um, so at that point I was like proving myself as the subject matter expert, um, in this small startup, they started bringing me into client meetings and realized, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Like we should let her sale sell. So I was constantly like, I had to sell myself into the sales role. And then I realized I had a lot of work to do. Um, the head of sales was an advisor over several tech startups. So Scott, that's how I found you is I joined your um, Scotty Little Sales Club that, you know, gave me the resources to really learn. And I really attribute like building your own craft and honing on your sales skills to the success that I've had and how I've been able to jump to now one of the top performing mid-market market reps in just, you know, a few years, um, you know, through the the various companies. Um, so I feel like it's a lot of it is, you know, taking the time to really build your craft. Like Chris Orlov, he was the, you know, CRO at Gong. He always talks about building your skill and how important that is. And um, you, no one will do that for you. Like I had to take the onus of spending a lot of hours outside of my normal job, building and crafting and learning how to sell, negotiate, do demos. I was practicing with like my family and my friends. And um, that allowed me to sell really well at Risk Genius and they were acquired. And then I interviewed at Greenhouse and um, got the job when they usually promote internally. And I didn't have to start out in the SMB space. I was I was put in right in the mid-market space. So um, that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I attribute to to the success I've had. A lot of a lot of, a lot of things in there, Richard, but yeah. um, lots of extra effort, lots of investing in self. Lots of practice, all sorts of things that um, the best of the best do, right? So I have a question. Where did the fire in the belly come from? Like, I can't imagine it was just that one meeting with the insurance people. Like, were you this way about your grades in school? Were your parents like, oh, yep, Kaylee's just going to go for it? Like, where's that come from in you? Richard, you're so good at sales, aren't you? Diving deep here to the root cause. I've always had this like fierce drive and independence. And I think a lot of it stems from, I was not raised in like a traditional home. Like I had a lot of turmoil and trauma. And for me, what I did was I like became a perfectionist and that's how I like dealt with all of the things that I dealt with um, as a child. Lots of parents, like they had a very toxic relationship. They couldn't really give me the time and the attention. I was severely unsafe all the time. So for me, I was going to create a better life for myself. I was going to put my head down, be the best. Um, so I was fourth in my class. I graduated with 44 hours of college credit. Um, like I was going to do it and that's continued to drive me. Now it's a little bit different because I have a wonderful life. Like I have a safe space. Um, I feel I live with roommates and have like a home for the first time. I'm about to move to New York City, to New York City with my partner. So I've 
I'm not like driven so much by like, um, you know, uncertainty and fear and safety that I like was trying to get early on. But now what I'm driven by is like, I've seen all the hard work in my career and all the effort pay off every, like every opportunity that comes up. Um, so now it's just like continuing that, right? Like I have this like drive that's now just like a, a habit in me that like I can't get rid of. So that's a little bit of where it stems from. That's a great quote right there. The, the drive has now become a habit. Yes. That's really, really good. What, um, Scott, I know you got a lot of things you want to unpack, but it, it makes me wonder, you know, with this level of success, you know, as you think about your future, because you're, you're still, you know, you're certainly earlier than your uncles in your sales career. Um, you know, do you, do you think about going into management? Do you think, no, my next step is enterprise? Like, how do you, what do you think about it? How do you think about it? What advice do you give to people who might be thinking about it? Yeah, I think thus far in my career, I've always been thinking about the next step. I was in insurance sales. I knew I wanted to get, or insurance brokerage. I knew I wanted to get in sales. So that was the next step. Um, then I wanted to get at a really, you know, be at a really good company that I could really get lots of reps in. I did that step. For the first time, I'm in this really, really good space where I am just absorbing, learning, practicing, getting the reps that I wanted and like absorbing this situation that I created my, for myself and just taking it all in. And for the first time, not thinking about that next step. And it feels really, really good. And because of that, I'm having a lot of success right now. Um, you know, I'm constantly sharpening my axe, listening to podcasts, um, tweaking my process. And um, I'm just being like a really good, strong rep right now. And it's like, especially hard in this economy. So that's what I'm focused on. Yes, I do eventually think I want to get into management. I think I want to get back into the startup space, but I had to come to Greenhouse and learn like and prove to myself that I was the best of the best um, in order to, you know, be thinking about that next step. Can we get into some of the specifics? You alluded to how hard it is out there right now and you're doing everything you can to succeed. I'm imagining that you're having to get creative with different um, strategies and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about what it looks like right now for you to break into accounts, build pipeline, get deals over the line? Maybe you can kind of walk us through that from everything. I'm curious about everything from like your KPIs to creative strategies you're deploying to how you're closing things, anything tactical there, um, I think would be really helpful for people to hear who are in a similar role right now. Yeah. And I think some context to start before I dive into the practical stuff is Greenhouse is the best known solution in the market. We're also the most expensive. So the first year selling greenhouse was here's the quote sign off, right? Everyone had budget. Now it's like moving a mountain to get approval because they've got to go to their CFO. They've got a loop in 15 people and there's 200 applicant tracking systems I'm selling against all, which are less expensive. So I think the biggest shift I had to make, and I think I made it early and that's why I'm having success and I think it, this also stems from selling in the startup space where no one knows you at all and you have to really dig in is pain, right? Like I do discovery very well and dig into that pain. And I've had to take that two more levels now in this economy. So asking things like, okay, in the first conversation and call, like, what does this look like? Do you have to present a business case? Like, how does that work? What does your CFO care about? Do they, do they know this is coming? So it starts in those first conversations of 
not just you have a need and, and the pain, but like, let's go two steps level deeper. And like, how do you actually present this for approval and really partnering together on that? I think the other thing is negotiation and discounting, right? People at Greenhouse have had the luxury of selling a software. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. That works. That's the best. And there's no real question because it software costs money. That's just like not an option now. So I've had to get really creative and how I do deals and get them over the line. And it all starts with what's your budget and discovering that. And then um, just being really more creative with like how I can, you know, get finance on board to get to a number that makes sense for this customer and not scaring them away because they know that we're the most expensive from the beginning. I think everybody can relate to that, except for the part where, where you said you have the best product in the market, <laughs> because I think there's a lot of people out there that if they're being honest with themselves, do not have that and cannot say that. So you're, you're talking about getting creative with discounting and budget and all that kind of stuff. What's like the most creative structure that you put together that you're the most proud of recently? without giving away the name of the, <laughs> the client. I think what I'm like, the situation comes to mind where um, they were, like I dug into like multiple products that they were using, not just their applicant tracking system. Um, so getting creative and like, let's look at your holistic spend and what can we remove from that? Instead of just like head to head, what are we gonna, are we gonna be more than the vendor you're using? What do we do that your vendor doesn't? So I found a deal where they had two other tools that I had never even heard of that were 20K and that plus their applicant tracking system was almost double what Greenhouse would be. So the, for the first time in my life, I got to say, we're going to be the least expensive option and you still get the best product in the marketplace. So I think just getting creative and like thinking about, okay, not only what are you spending in this area, but like holistically as a business, where are you putting your money and like, how could we potentially help save other places? That's the sweet spot. I have the best product and I have the best price. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, you know, it's interesting when you're, when you're battling the incumbent, right. Um, and maybe in this situation or another, how did you even get them to pay attention to you? Right. Like, you know, there's a pain of change, right. Particularly like, an, you know, in the HR space and the change of an applicant tracking system and all those things, like even before you got to the, Hey, how are you doing it? Like, somehow they they had to be experiencing something that wanted they wanted change um and it's fair to say look they were inbound so you know kudos to marketing that's that's okay too i'm just curious because that's always the challenge with the incumbent right and everybody says they can come in and be the best and be less expensive so how do you differentiate that sooner i think this also is something i would attribute to like this market is if you're going against 15 other competitors which i'm always doing you've got to know them so well. Like I spend a lot of my time talking to people in the industry that are using competitors products so I can actually know what it's like. And from like a not, like I'm trying to sell you greenhouse perspective, but what's working, what's not working for you? How are they as a business partner? That's something I lean into all the time. And for this specific example, without giving the competitor away, like I know that they have the worst customer support. They, and especially with their renewals, they hide pricing until like two weeks before. So they lock you in. And I knew all of these things. So I said, hey, do you have pricing for your renewal yet? Because I've seen them be like doubling renewals, you know, consistently. So do you, would you be open to a conversation? And that's what they said. Yeah, let's talk. So using what I know from like what they how they operate as a business um, helped me like get creative with getting them into a conversation and um, having, you know, the conversation about greenhouse and then 
lo and behold, they forced pricing out of them and it was double. And, you know, luckily that worked out for me too, just being spot on with that. But um, yeah, I think that that's literally just took a note on that is like a, a great approach is, you know, do you even have your pricing for your renewal yet? Maybe we should talk like that just from like a cold outreach perspective, like there's not a person in the world who doesn't go through that, right? Who doesn't go through that conversation and go, God, you know, even if you got out a month or six weeks earlier, like, oh, I wish I'd known sooner because then I could spend a little bit more time researching, right? Like that's, that's a pretty creative approach. I like that. Well done. Thanks. And yeah, and, and also making sure that it's not coming from you. Like I'm big on, hey, like Susie down the block, who I just talked to last week, got hit with a renewal that was double the cost. Like, have you gotten yours yet? Like people relate to that. And it's the truth. Like I'm very big mm -hmm. on being genuine, um, but no one, of course, they're not going to like listen to me. But if I tell them that so it happened to someone else, which it did, like they're going to be more apt to, to have a conversation. That's really cool. I like that a lot. I love that. Did you ever do that when you were a salesperson, Richard? Don't lie. I, no, but I did use, I mean, you know, it's a fear thing, right? Um, when a long time ago, when I sold physical products, uh, we would, we would use the, um, we have to close the warehouse for inventory, you know, each quarter. So that was a way to drive things. Um, so if there's something you want to do and you think you need to get a count, you know, we could at least try to get meetings that way. Um, you know, and those were for our recurring clients, right. For the most part. So kind of similar, not exactly, but I, I like that tactic. Did you ever do it, Scott? No, I was never smart enough to do something like that. No, and nor did I have anybody telling me or suggesting to me that that would be. How did uh, you? Good idea, Kaylee. Yeah. How did you come up with that? How did you like? Did you hear someone else do it? Was it advised to you? Because you, you like you read everything. You you seek out. You talk about seeking this knowledge, or is that just because you know? Again, I think you're one of those people who get so much knowledge it then creates the creativity in your own head to try something new. Yeah, I feel like I do. I have this big balance of like. I'm now becoming this mix of all my favorite salespeople. Like I've got a little Richard, I've got a little Scott in me. I've got a little, um, you know, of the top AEs at greenhouse, someone from risk genius. Like I have all these things that have like com combined into me. And I'm just like, so proud of myself now because I now have a sales identity. So I actually came up with this, um, on my own because it was actually something that I heard as a pain point from a customer. So I heard that and I'm like, they were like pissed about it. I'm like, I'm going to use this. Like I'm going to talk every single time I go up with this competitor, I'm giving this example that this happened and this will not happen to another one of my like customers without me warning them about it. Um, and I think people feel that I genuinely care about them too. And like, I'm at greenhouse for a reason. I think this goes back to even why I'm here is I was very specific with aligning with a company that I could get really passionate about. Um, I wanted to sell at a company that was the best of the best product. Like I was very particular about getting here. And I think Scott, you can attest to this. I was a little hesitant to leave the insurance tech space because I knew it. And you were like, do you like insurance or do you know insurance? And I was like, fair, I know insurance. Um, and I made that switch, but I came to Greenhouse with a very specific checklist. Sh shout out to Amy Wallace about like, you know, what I want in a company. Um, so yeah, I came here for a reason and for a purpose. And that comes through in my sales cycle, wrapping that back into that strategy. I love that she said that she's created like her own sales identity by picking bits and pieces off of... Yes everybody else that she, um, you know, has heard from or admires or whatever. That's great. That's really good. I could, we could dig into that. She's like building an avatar for herself. Yeah. Sales identity versus your brand, right? Those are two very different things. I like that. Um, we're going to pause for a second, Kaylee. 
Um, and I want to come back and ask you to define your sales identity in a second, right? I want, but well, before we do that, um, I want to talk about our good friend, Mr. Mark Robert. She's been a guest on our podcast. And uh, like Kaylee, he's been an advisor to Scott and I. He, he will take our calls and he'll take meetings and, you know, genuinely give us his time. Uh, if you don't know him, he was the founding CRO over at HubSpot. He also has a podcast called The Science of Scaling um, that's on the HubSpot Podcast Network. He's also a lecturer at the Harvard Business School, uh, co-founder of Stage 2 Capital. So I don't know why you wouldn't want to listen to this podcast. Um, I know, Scott, you're, you're not talking at Harvard yet, are you? No, I'm, I'm relegated to speaking at Arizona State University only. I, well, I mean, you know, I'm still over at the community college circuit. So, you know, you're at least ahead of me there. But, um, but, but please check out Mark. He has great leaders come on and talk about the pains and challenges of scaling their organization. And he gets, you know, not in a negative way, he gets them to share their own successes and their mistakes so that others can learn from those. So again, uh, thanks to HubSpot Podcast Network and Mr. Robert, we look forward to seeing you back on our podcast soon. Haley, what's your sales identity? What's that mean to you? I feel like this means so much. I think I am a combination of a little bit of everything that I pulled from people. When I think about what that means, um, I think that I'm very direct and I have a genuine nature about me. I connect well to people. Um, I I dig into pain and I won't sell someone a solution unless it's the best for them. And I think that that all wraps into that genuineness that I talk about. I think that some people can sniff annoying salespeople from a mile away. Um, and I am not that. I'm someone who's coming in from a consultative consultative approach to really help them you know, figure out what's what's their their issue and if we can help them. And if not, I'll point them in the direction that will. I'm not afraid to do that. Scott, what's your sales identity? I don't, here's what I think. I don't think that I am able to say what my sales identity is. I think oh. other people define it for me. I don't know what it is. You're so full of shit. That's such no, I'm not. Way. I don't have a clue. I don't know what my yes, sales identity is. Yes, you do. No, I don't. You do. That is Scott's sales identity. Unfiltered, raw. Perception. See, there. But that's, but that, that's the funny thing, because that's what people think. But that's really not his identity, is it, Scott? <laughs> that, that's not my identity as like a person. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're getting at. Oh, I, you know, I, you know, anyway, it's a, it's a long conversation. Not, not for, we're here to talk about Kaylee. I was just kidding. Yeah, not pick on me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so. So what's next, Kaylee? Like, do you want to go, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, going in, maybe, maybe this is a better question. For greater context, what's, if you're allowed to say, what's your average sales cycle like? What's your deal size like? How many decision makers are you going through? And maybe we'll talk a little bit about navigating that, that multi-thread, you know, yeah. how you do that. We actually just did it. We just had a conversation internally about this. I think this is again, more important than anything right now is like how you get in with not only your decision maker, but, or with your point of contact or champion, but the, who the decision maker is. Um, I'm running like a 45 day sales process. Uh, they are now extending a lot longer than that, more in like the 60 to 75 day range because of the extra levels of approval. Uh, my average deal size is around 30 K. Got it. And how many decision makers are involved, do you think? 
I'd say three to four. We've we're we're now, I mean, every conversation I'm having, there's a CEO or CFO involved. You've got like a, you know, chief people officer, you've got a director level, and then you've got, you know, the recruiter level. So three to four levels. How do you, how do you stay in touch with each of them? You know, aside, because you always get the champion or your main point of contact, right? We always hear this. Do you have ways you try to stay in touch with that CEO or you, are they coming in so late in the deal that it's really just an approval at that point? I avoid that at all costs. Cause that's when for me, shit hits the fan. Um, so from the first conversation I'm asking and I'm getting names of who needs to be involved and what they care about and what will resonate with them before I even do the demo. So then I'm speaking in the demo in terms that will resonate with them. You said your CFO really cares about, you know, quality. Here's a report that they can use to leverage XYZ. I'm convincing my champion and giving them the confidence that this will be an easy sell to their exec team. Not easy, but doable sell is a better word. Um, and then from that conversation on, I'm suggesting a next step of looping in the next person that needs to be involved. And I'll level with them. Like, Here's the deal. I've done a lot of these conversations. If we don't involve this person, you and I are going to have a really hard time getting this approved for you. And you needed a system yesterday. So let's partner together. Um, so yeah, that's like a big, a big thing that I do. And then of course, like email manager touch points are big for me. Like, Hey, no ask. I just had my manager send one today. Here's what Kaylee and Bobby are talking about. I'm here. If you need me from like a, a conversation standpoint, I think those have gone really well for me as well. Two, two, two things that she just walked through right there that I also do and, and talk about. <clears throat> she just leveled with people like, okay, this is what's going to happen when you go try to do this like on your own. And she uh, positioned it as you and I are going to have trouble. She turned that first person champion or whatever in, into like a partner, like a team. And it's like, hey, how are we going to help you get this like done. Two things that I talk about all the time that she just touched on. Go ahead, Kayla. No, I think that's important. I just had a deal that I actually like it, last minute, a CS, um, a SVP of sales came in and tried to kill the deal. And I knew he was going to, that was an option, right? Because I knew early on that this was going to the CEO, but the CEO really cared about what the SVP of sales thought. So I had Sean Murray, who, um, you know, Scott very yeah. well ready to engage this SVP of sales who was not going to kill this deal at the last minute. And he emailed him and we were able to get it across the finish line, but I wouldn't have been able to have an insight into that. And unless I had asked those questions and had a, a good understanding of how their, their organization worked from the beginning. Yeah. Um, we, as you know, we are, are uh, prepping for surf and sales once, once again, I've had a couple of conversations this week where people were sort of essentially asking like, is this worth going to? Is it right for me? What would you say to people uh, that, that are considering going to, to surf and sales? What, what should they expect? I would say one, they're not wrong. And like have there, that there's this mysterious like aura around surf and sales. Cause I remember feeling that way. Like, I was like, I really like Scott and Richard, but like, what are they doing putting on this conference in Costa Rica? Like, I don't know what this is about. We still um, ask that question all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, but it's like the best conference I've ever been to. It obviously was life-changing for me. And I think it came at a time where I was trying so hard to control everything in my life, trying to get a new job, had just gotten told no, um, which is funny enough, they told me no, because I was too invested in 
the money as a salesperson, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm letting that, I'm like laying that down. And I found out about surf and sales. I won the trip through a contest and showing up. I had no idea what was, what I, what to expect. I didn't even know there was a group me. I like, because I was last minute, wasn't in the group me and didn't see an itinerary. And the things that I took away were like big conferences should be banned because this is how a conference should be ran. Um, it was a chance to form meaningful relationships. One ended up being now my life partner, um, which is not normal, but it did happen to me. <laughs> not <laughs> normally part of the curriculum, Sorry. but Sorry. hey, things happen. That it happened. Um, but it's a chance to like form meaningful relationships and also like such a chance to like have intrapersonal reflection and figure out what it is that you, what drives you, what do you care about? surrounded by um, like-minded sales individuals at all levels. Like that's so unique. I remember talking with VPs. I remember talking with CEOs and founders and also other AEs like myself. Um, and also just like being in a remote location really does like travel and adventure, I think is a part of who I am. And, and being in Costa Rica, it just opens your heart and your mind in a way that you just can't get at a normal conference. And that's like something that you can't put into a website or put into like a description, but, um, it's so true. So long-winded answer. It's like, go like apply, pay for it, do it. A little, little bit, a uh, little bit different energy in Costa Rica than, you know, the Marriott in Kansas city. Yeah, I would say, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, All I right. think of like one more thing on like the comp some, I can remember like seven specific individual conversations from surf and sales that have guided my life. Like I remember Scott, you, me and Richard were on the beach and you picked up a sand dollar and gave it to me and I still have it. And you said, you just have it. And I know that. And like that confidence and that's like carried me as well. Um, so those little in the between moments, I think, are what you don't get at a normal conference that really um, make up the DNA of surf and sales. Yeah, it was apparent to um, Richard and I when we first met you, like, wow, Kaylee is really good and it's going to be good. Um, and that was why I was like, yeah, you just have it, the it kind of factor. So it's been awesome to see you <clears throat> continue on, do well and do well, by the way, for a friend of ours at, uh, at Greenhouse. We both know Sean Murray and have known him for, for quite a long time. So yeah, he's been keep rocking, Kaylee. What can we do to help you? We always kind of wrap up the show with that question. How can we be helpful to you? Do you have any questions for us? And then we'll get out of here. I just think like, keep doing what you're doing. Like you both inspire me and so many people um, with your platform. And I think going back to the sales identity, both of you talk about things that need to be talked about that maybe other people don't. And even with others out there trying to replicate that style, it's still not the same. Um, so, you know, just like keep doing it. Like I'm soaking in every second and moment and you know, post. And, um, I think a lot of people are out there as well. Well, thank you for that. We appreciate the support. It is definitely challenging sometimes to continue to grind away and find, um, things to talk about and just kind of keep going because it's a lot, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I, I got like 20 things off this one. So and we'll, we'll obviously attribute them to you, Kaylee, but, mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, yeah, top 20 quotes from Kaylee's Surf and Sales podcast episode. There's your next post, Richard. There could be. I was <laughs> I was actually writing a post earlier today about the 10 new commandments of sales. And I think um, 
Kaylee's given us 20. So there we go. So. All right, Kaylee, how can people get in touch with you if they want to say thanks or just uh, maybe get some advice from you? LinkedIn. And I actually love doing this to other people. So I hope people actually do reach out. Um, it means a lot when people like take something away or want to have a follow-up conversation. Um, I did this with every single person, Scott, you brought on for Tequila Tuesdays. I was in their DMs on LinkedIn, telling them what I liked and thanking them. And that like also expanded into a lot of networking opportunities and conversations for me. So um, yeah. Genius. Everybody should listen to her and learn from her. Kaylee Chapel, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on Surfing Sales Podcast. We'll see you again next time. Thanks, Kaylee. Bye.